Welcome to Bite Size Human Geography, a podcast meant for students and anyone who wants a better understanding of the world. We investigate global issues using human geography concepts. It's human geography made simple. Happy New Year and welcome to the Bite Size Human Geography podcast. Today we're going to be discussing forces that either unite or destroy a country. And I'm hoping that by the end of this podcast, you'll be able to recognize political, social, and economic trends uh, that you see all around you um, and be able to identify those as unifying or fragmenting forces. My students often get really overwhelmed at what's happening in the world, whether it's something political here in the United States or maybe something overseas. And what I like to, to demonstrate to them is that these patterns that we see here in this country, they really are universal. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to be discussing centripetal and centrifugal forces, uh, forces that bring a, a country or a state together or forces that tend to tear a country apart. And then we'll give some examples of, uh, from different parts of the world to help deepen our understanding of these concepts. Okay, so let's get started. So the first uh, of these forces that I want to talk about are centripetal forces. And using them in geography, we define centripetal forces as forces that bring a state or a people together. And so a good mnemonic device to help you remember is a centripetal has P-E-T-A-L, it has a T in there, and together has a T in there. And so uh, it's a good way to remember that uh, the centripetal forces unify a people. Uh, some examples of centripetal forces could be something like war or disease, um, economic equality. So when you have a country that's economically healthy and uh, you don't have too many people get, that are being left behind, maybe you have low unemployment levels, high GDP per capita, uh, your social equality in a country is, um, is good. Uh, you don't have uh, any type of injustice or very little injustice that's occurring. Some other examples of centripetal forces or forces that can unite a, a people in a country would be things like a pledge um, either to a flag or to the country itself or of course the national anthem. Think about whenever you watch the Olympics uh, and when uh, people of a country, when they win, they see their, their flag raised and the national anthems played. All of these are really good examples of forces that unite a country and its people. Okay, so on the other hand, centrifugal forces, so F-U-G-A-L, centrifugal forces, and our mnemonic device is uh, centrifugal and fracture or fragment, both of those start with an F, but these are forces that tear can tear a country apart or pull its population apart. And uh, these could be things like war and disease, any type of differences in physical geography in a, in a country or a state. Um, items like religion uh, or language, which also can be unifying forces. Uh, any type of social uh, or economic hardship or inequalities. Um, and of course, these items can also create what we call regionalism where you have a split in a country based upon different regions. And all you need to do is look at any, really quite frankly, any social media feed about any number of different countries, whether it's the United States or maybe Spain or even Brazil. And you'll see these arguments, uh, for instance, in Brazil, if you look at 
the area around Barcelona, uh, you'll see these arguments uh, saying, oh, well, you know, our, our part of the country, we keep the rest of the country afloat. Uh, you see that actually if you look at any social media feed and you're looking at regionalism uh, here in the United States, people in the Northeast will say, oh, you know, try and go ahead and try and secede south. There's no way that you can make it without us. We keep the whole country afloat. In Brazil, you see the same items, except in this case, it's going to be the southern portions of Brazil where the main, the big cities are. Uh, and this is going to be more like a coastal and internal uh, kind of Amazonian basin conflict. So these regional conflicts are actually really common. It's not just in the United States. It's all around the world. Italy is another good example of that. Uh, the United Kingdom um, or the, the British Isles, another really good example of that, where uh, you see these regional differences. And of course, all of these, this this uh, fraction, this uh, fractionalization, fragmentation that occurs, these are all centripetal, I'm sorry, centrifugal forces. One thing I do want you to understand is that oftentimes the same concept can be both a centripetal and a centrifugal force depending upon the country and depending upon what's happening. So let's dive into uh, something like war and or terrorism. I want to, uh, for those of you that were alive, you will remember this. For those of you that won't, this might be news to you. When you look at our country today here in the United States, uh, you probably see a very, very highly divided country, right? We know that uh, really our, our country is kind of split down the middle, both with regards to political parties and also just political outlook. And uh, we live in a really contentious time. It's not like it hasn't happened before, but I do think that modern technology being what it is, especially social media and just kind of 24-7 news cycle, has really made those differences so much more pronounced. But I want to take you back to September 11th, 2001. Um, on that day, of course, uh, the United States was attacked in a, a pretty massive act of terrorism. And um, But later in the evening, you saw something pretty extraordinary occur. And uh, this was really kind of one of the most amazing examples of a centripetal, okay, a uniting force. So you have something that was really horrific, uh, the attack on the country on 9-11, but then you had that attack create centripetal forces. So I'm going to play you a little audio clip. Uh, this is on the steps of the Capitol where you had both Republicans and Democrats give a short speech. And I want you to listen to the language that's being utilized here. Senators and House members, Democrats and Republicans will stand shoulder to shoulder to fight this evil that's per been perpetrated on this nation. We will stand together to make sure that those who have brought forth this evil deed will pay the price. Okay, so did you hear the language there? We'll stand shoulder to shoulder, uh, basically telling uh, the world that Republicans and Democrats would be unified in dealing with the attack on the country. That was Denny Hastert. He, at the time, was speaker. He was the Republican Speaker of the House. Now I want to play for you Tom Daschle, who, at the time, was the Democrat Senate Majority Leader. Today's despicable acts were an assault on our people and on our freedom. As the representatives of the people... We are here to declare that our resolve has not been weakened by these horrific and cowardly acts. Congress 
will convene tomorrow. And we will speak with one voice to condemn these attacks, to comfort the victims and their families, to commit our full support to the effort to bring those responsible to justice. We, Republicans and Democrats, House and Senate, stand strongly united behind the president. So once again, you can hear in the language there completely centripetal uh, language of unifying and look, we're Republicans and Democrats, we're House and Senate, we know that we're divided, but on this one thing, we are 100% united and we're going to take the full power of the government and we're going to stand behind the president who of course was uh, a Republican, uh, President Bush, the second President Bush, uh, and uh, support him in uh, bringing people to justice. And then after he speaks, uh, everybody on the steps of the, the representatives and senators that were on the steps of the Capitol, they were hugging each other and they were beginning to walk away. And then you can begin to hear the strains of God Bless America uh, begin to be sung. students are often absolutely astounded whenever I play that clip for him because of course we live in an era now where um, everything is political um, and we can't unite about anything it seems to be uh, but in this case on this one day the country was absolutely united about um, what happened on 9-11. Now a few years later uh, this same event did begin to lead to tremendous disagreement over the United States policy in Iraq and uh, the invasion and kind of occupation of Iraq. And it's just a really good example of how uh, basically, depending upon how you're looking at um, any particular force, in this case it would be war slash terrorism, how it could be centripetal or centrifugal. Okay, so another example that I want to give you, I, I talked before briefly about infrastructure. We don't tend to think of centripetal and centrifugal forces surrounding infrastructure. Oftentimes, when you're first learning about this, you'll hear about things like religion or um, ethnicity uh, or, or language. But I want, to, I want to spend a bit more time discussing infrastructure because infrastructure is, is kind of a really good way of investigating these forces in a country. So um, as a triple force, as I discussed before, an infrastructure could be a really good example could be the United States highway system. We know, uh, if you've seen the movie Cars, uh, we know the, you know, the purpose behind that infrastructure, uh, the, the highway system, uh, basically connecting both sides of the country, uh, connecting parts of uh, the country that regionally were very, very different. And now, of course, we can drive from the Atlantic to the Pacific Ocean through multiple routes, uh, and it has connected the country. 
an example of infrastructure that would be a centrifugal force, I want to use the example of, of Chile, the country of Chile in South America. So uh, if we look at Chile, the, the center, if you kind of look at a map, the center of the country would be um, Santiago. And of course, this is going to be the most populous uh, city in, in uh, Chile. But almost 50% of the GDP comes from here. And so, as you can imagine, infrastructure is going to be a bit disparate, uh, especially when you're looking at uh, urban versus rural areas. And even within Santiago itself, you have uh, these wealthy areas of Santiago and these very poor areas of Santiago. And the infrastructure differs depending upon which portion, as you can imagine, the wealthier areas are going to have more infrastructure. Uh, but the infrastructure differs throughout the country. And this creates this divide, not only of poor versus wealthy, but also rural and urban. But we're focusing here on infrastructure. Uh, and I put a link in the, no in the show notes today on a really interesting report discussing uh, the infrastructure issues in Chile. This is not just something that's local to Chile. You do see this in other parts around the world as well. And the reason for this is simple. The thought behind this is, is if I'm a country that's continuing to develop, I'm going to put money where, uh, in infrastructure resources, where money will continue to be made. And um, it's unfortunate, it's frustrating for people that are living in rural areas, but that's the reason for that divide. So I would think that most of you that are listening to this podcast right now, you are probably in a class like uh, AP Human Geography, or maybe even in an intro Human Geography class in college. And something that you really should think about is these the concepts that I've been speaking about today, centripetal and centrifugal forces. This is the kind of stuff that teachers love to ask you short answer questions about or um, essay questions about because there's just so much rich material. So let me give you a few places where I think you need to make sure that you focus on for examples because remember, it's never just about, especially if you're writing to AP Human Geography prompts, FRQs. It's never just about being able to define what a centripetal and centrifugal force is. You have to be able to apply the concepts to real-world scenarios. So, for instance, uh, what's something I tell my students all the time when we're looking at centrifugal and centripetal forces, uh, for centrifugal, so those fracturing forces, is take a look at the United Kingdom um, and its relationship with Scotland. Very contentious. Uh, you've had Scotland uh, go through several votes to uh, get her independence a lot of devolution, which is a term that I'll be discussing in uh, maybe a, a forthcoming podcast, uh, d uh, devolving power out towards Scotland from um, from London, uh, Canada, and the Quebecois. So that's a cultural fragmentation, the centrifugal forces that are occurring there, primarily over language and the French language. Uh, if you look at Spain, Spain is another good example of <clears throat> really strong centrifugal forces with its relationship uh, with Catalonia. And once again, very strong fragmenting forces uh, headed towards devolution, maybe even balkanization. Nigeria would be another country for you to investigate. In Nigeria, you have multiple ethnicities, multiple religions, multiple languages, and of course that all leads to conflict as well. When we meet next time, we're going to spend a bit more time discussing what happens if centrifugal forces to continue to foster and develop. And the bottom line is it's not good. Uh, it creates forces of balkanization, 
um, which are basically uh, this fragmentation, this fracturing of countries that can occur, that can break countries into smaller and more hostile units. And of course, the former Yugoslavia is a great example of that. The Balkan Peninsula, which is where the former Yugoslavia used to be, actually gave us the name of balkanization. I know sometimes it's hard to think about those centripetal forces or those uniting forces because we do live in such an era of centrifugal forces. And I think part of the reason for that uh, is really because discord and, and conflict is big business. Um, there used to be a saying among the media that if it bleeds, it leads, right? If it's bad news, that's what we're going to go with because that's what sells. And people really don't necessarily want to see good news. Uh, it doesn't capture the human, I guess, imagination as much as bad news does. Uh, but also the tribalism that has begun to occur from the rise of social media means that people might not ever befriend someone or uh, get to know someone who has different views. Uh, and of course, that is once again, uh, another centrifugal force. So next time we'll explore uh, more in depth uh, the concepts of balkanization and devolution. Uh, and I hope you have a great afternoon.